0: Not COVID friendly. It was very, very loud. I, I, Pat grabbed me after. was like, holy cow, that's loud out there. I said, yeah, that's welcome to the NFL. I mean, it was just a heck of a game. The fans, our fans, were unbelievable. I mean, we we let them out of the cage. I mean, it was they they were wild. What was the what was the atmosphere like? What were you feeling? I was feeling good. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean. Uh... That's a pretty good start. You gotta remember that it's hard to get a win in this league. So at the end of the day, a win is a win. You, know, you guys
1: asked me early in the week how important the first game was, and I kind of showed it off, but the first game is really important. You need <laughs> Monday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. Do not adjust your dial. It is not half wrong. It is 100% right. Mike Golick. Mike Florio here with you for two hours. Welcome in, great to have you. We're gonna have a lot of fun every Monday all season long, Mike. I, I am I am honored to share this time with you.
0: Well, I, I appreciate this time as well, Mike. It's you might as well get it out of the way. It's Mike and Mike. You know, again. Uh, <laughs> it's in wait, a, in a different game. I check with the lawyers. I
1: check, but, I check with the lawyers. It's Mike along with Mike. That's what we're going with.
0: Oh. Oh, there's trademark issues. Okay, I understand yes. that. Mike along with Mike. Yes. Okay, I get that. I'm also very happy that we've gone we've gone to the defensive side of the ball here. You know, the pretty, ba- the pretty boy quarterbacks, they get all the time on air, but I'm glad you finally brought a defensive lineman and a defensive perspective to this.
1: Absolutely, and that is the way to do it. Let me just say one thing before we get started, and I don't want to get... I don't want to get myself verklempt, but I just want to put everyone in the right perspective as to what this means to me, because my son turns 25 this week, and I used to drive him to school every day, and we'd listen to you, Mike, and we'd have a ball. Every time Dickie V was on doing stock up, stock down, I'd pretend to be Dickie V after the segment, and he'd laugh, and you know how hard (laughs) it is. When your kids get to a certain age, they don't laugh at anything you do. They just roll their eyes. So it means a lot to do this with you, and I look forward to doing it every Monday all season long.
0: Well, you know, I, I appreciate that, and, and I've heard notes like that since I, I finished. One young man said he listened to me delivering papers in middle school and then going to high school and then getting up for college and then when he went off to the military, and I, I was very moved by that. And then I also thought, oh, my God, am I old? I mean, I'm getting these people from middle school all the way out of college, so I'm, I'm aging, as you can tell by the hair and the beard, uh, quite quickly. But, but I, I appreciate the comments.
1: And, and it it really is uh, something because I, I made the mistake long ago to be accessible to the audience, and so they take me up on it, florio at profootballtalk.com. <laughs> we get a lot of emails because the show's on Sky Sports NFL channel in the U.K. and in Ireland every day, late afternoon, early evening. Very active fan base there. They'll be very happy that you're on the show. But you realize that people carry – us around with them in their lives and it's part of their little escape and whether you're getting ready for the for the uh, work in the morning or you're driving to work or you're driving to school or whatever you're doing so and we and and that means a lot to us to be part of your life in a little way and just kind of take your mind off whatever it is especially on a Monday there's always something dragging you down on a Monday I remember that before I got into this business and I don't work anymore but when I had a a real job there was always something on Monday that dragged me down it'd be nice to listen to someone like Mike Golick to just take my mind off it as I was getting myself ready for the day.
0: You know, my my thought has always been, especially in the morning and, and doing the morning for so long, is if you can leave somebody with maybe something they can learn about the game or a little nugget about the game, that's great. But you know what? Make them laugh as well. You know who? Because you like you said, it's Monday. It's not just morning, but it's Monday morning. So if you can chuckle a little bit on your way to work and maybe learn something along the way, I, I, I think that can be a productive morning. So that's really not asking a whole lot out of us. At least I, I would hope. And as far as your your social media and such, yes, I follow that as well. And we have we have traded back and forth a bit ourselves, haven't we? <laughs>
1: You know what? I thought we were going to avoid that. I thought we would get past that, but that's okay. I don't mind. I enjoy the interaction, and we'll have that kind of interaction. You never know. You never know what kind of interaction we're going to have here. That's right. on the program. And speaking of laughing on a Monday morning, I can guarantee you one thing. There will be no smiling anywhere in Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Green Bay, or anywhere else where they wear cheese on their heads because yesterday did not go well for a team that's been 26-6, and Mike, over the last two seasons, and everyone thought – they go to Jacksonville, got the easy draw, got the Saints out of the Superdome. The cheeseheads will travel, and they did. My goodness, they walked into a buzzsaw. The Saints get the win, 38-3. to Jameis Winston, five touchdown passes. He only threw the ball 20 times, Mike and he threw five touchdown passes. Unbelievable performance. 148 yards and five touchdown passes. I look at, It's one of those things where you look at the stats, like something's wrong here. It's not wrong. Five touchdown passes on 148 yards and 20 throws. I expected him to be good in this offense working with Sean Payton. How much did it surprise you that he had five touchdowns?
0: Oh, it, w- without question surprised me. Now, I, I did th- think he was going to do well in this offense as well. One thing I definitely knew with the, the over 30 interceptions he threw last year, I guaranteed on some shows that he would not do it this year because Sean Payton would leave him on the field if he was turning the ball over and he was <laughs> not here. You mentioned you mentioned the 140-some yards passing. Well, on four of the touchdowns, the four touchdowns, the first four, he had only passed for 93 yards. He had four touchy, touchdowns and only passed for 93 yards. That was amazing to me. They ran the ball extremely well, ran it for 171 yards. So, they controlled the clock. I think that was the key. Don't put too much pressure on Jameis Winston. It's his second go around. And a lot of people were wondering, is he a guy that's going to get humbled a little bit for how he was in college, how he came into the league, and then how that ended in Tampa Bay. And now he's the guy replacing a walk-in Hall of Famer in Drew Brees. So how was that going to work? And then he has the quarterback, you know, battle going on with Taysom Hill, which In all honesty, I didn't think it was going to be much. I think this was the way it was going to be because you can still use Taysom Hill the way you wanted to use him. So how was he going to be used in Sean Payton's offense? And we see when the running game, now there's going to be different games when he's going to have to throw it 30 or 40 times in some of these games. You can't always count on the running game, but that was the beauty of this offense with Drew Brees. And then you had Alvin Kamara, as you could, and then Brees was such a great passer and wouldn't turn the ball over. That's going to be the biggest fear, I think, for Saints fans is, will we hit a turnover station at some point for Jameis Winston? But I think Sean Payton can can kind of alleviate that a little bit with the running game. I was extremely impressed, very surprise. And, and I'm glad at least we talked about them first, because talking about the Green Bay Packers and what went on in the offseason and just how bad that's all been, they looked horrific yesterday.
1: Well, and Taysom Hill, you mentioned him. He did not do much. They didn't need him to do much. He had two rushing attempts for a grand total of one yard and one throw, one completion, three yards. So he didn't do much, didn't have any receptions in the passing game. Of course, there were only 14 of them to go around. Mike, my take on Jameis Winston has been that He, from time to time, tries to do more than he's physically capable of doing. We saw it in college. We saw it in Tampa Bay. He thinks he can make a throw that he can't make. He thinks he can make a play with his feet that he can't make. He pushes to the limit of his skills and then tries to go farther than that. And I can relate to that. That pretty much sums up my entire athletic career, trying to do more than I was physically capable of doing. Sean Payton will get him to play within himself. There was a – and if you check out Peter King's Football Morning in America column – he, he talks about a play where Jameis didn't have anything. He just threw it away. Didn't try to make something happen. I think that's the key. And if Sean Payton can drill that into him, we're going to have far more good performances than we're going to have those head scratchers where you see the play and it's like, what what was he trying to do? Well, he was trying to do more than he's able to do. That's, that's simple. And Payton will keep that from happening. And like you said, if he tries so- to do more than he can do, he's going to be on the sideline.
0: So, And here's my thought on that. When, when, when I get a player coming out of college, it doesn't matter the position, but here we're talking about quarterback. I, I want to coach a guy that I maybe have to pull back some and not ask for more. So we saw it at Florida State. We certainly saw it in Tampa Bay. And everything you said was 100% correct. He tried to do too much. But at least I'll take that to get with the right coach to back him off then instead of – Having to go to my quarterback, you know what, I need more out of you. I need you to do this. I need you to do that more. Well, Jameis was going to do it. Jameis was going to try and throw it in where he shouldn't throw it in, so he was going to try and do all that. So to get a coach to kind of refine that I think was going to be key for him, and we all believe Sean Payton can be that guy because, as we both said, they're not going to let him you know, have too many turnovers before they would pull him. So I do like the way he came into the league. I liked him when he came into the league because he took chances, and then that would be refined. Now, it didn't work out certainly in Tampa Bay with all the turnovers, but if it can work out with Sean, what a boon that's going to be for New Orleans, who is so used to Drew Brees. And let's give him a lot of credit as well. This is a displaced team you know, because of the hurricane, which has just been horrific for for that area for a while now. So it's been displaced, and they play it in Jacksonville. And to be able to keep it together, you know, and stay unified, because players are used to an itinerary. Players are used to consistency every day. And the Saints, and we've seen it over the years, they have been thrown off that without question with some of the things they've had to deal with.
1: Yeah, that's an excellent point. And it makes their win even more impressive, beating a team that, was the one seed last year, as I mentioned, 26-6 and over the past two seasons. So, impressive win by the Saints. And one more point on Jameis, and I think this is, from the perspective of a defensive player, something you could maybe elaborate on. The idea that he has the deep ball in his arsenal, he forces those 11 guys to cover every inch of the field. When they unleash that ability to the full extent and stretch the defense, and Peyton has his plays ready to go, where he can take advantage of everything that opens up underneath as you stretch the defense the full 80 yards when the Saints have the ball on their own 20, that, that's a huge advantage that they haven't necessarily had in recent years.
0: No, I completely agree. And as we mentioned, four touchdowns, 93 yards, then he hits you know, a, a, his long pass of 55 yards. He takes one down the field. Well, that's the ability also of a a running game, a running game of over 170 yards. And, and, And I'll say this too, as a D lineman, as a linebacker, when you're running the ball well, you have to honor the run. So what happens on a play action, on a play action as far as a D lineman, you're not just teeing off. You have to play the run as well. And for those linebackers, as soon as you take that one step up or one step sideways, you're going to have the ability to be beaten right over the top, right over the top of the backers and right in front of the safeties, and then also deep as well as Jameis can do. So it, it all works well. He, he's got a great long ball, and he's got a great arm. I, that, that's never been the issue with him. But if you can put it with an excellent running game with Alvin Kamara on that offensive line and, and do those types of things, that's going to open up a whole lot more for Jameis, something that he hasn't had in the past.
1: He became a free agent two straight years and no one else made a serious run at him, and he's in the perfect place with the Saints. I have a feeling when this one-year deal expires, there may be some other suitors for Jameis Winston after they see what yeah. he can do with Sean Payton. Now, enough positivity from that game. It was 38-3. to <laughs> There's another side of the coin. Let's hear it directly from head coach Matt LaFleur and quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Here they are.
0: Got to give the Saints all the credit in the world. They came ready to play. Uh, Absolutely embarrassed us today. And uh, you can't do that against a well-coached and quality football team. Our guys are going to have to take a long, hard look in the mirror. It starts with myself. Obviously, didn't get these guys ready to play ball. and. That's what happens when you, when you go out there and play like that against a good football team. So give the Saints all the credit. Uh, they came ready to play, had a great plan, and executed. I mean, I'm, I'll let him use those words, and I'll use uh, it's just one game. You know, we played bad. I played bad. Offensively, we didn't execute very well. Uh, one game, we got 16 to go.
1: Weird to hear that, but it's true. 16 still to go. The first game matters less than it ever did, but this one's got to sting in. Hey, Mike, there's one thing about the Matt Lafleur Packers that I've noticed, especially in 2019. Anytime they pack up and go a fairly far distance from home, they went to California a couple of times in the regular season, 2019 splattered went back to San Francisco in the playoffs, splattered again. And Aaron Rodgers talked about how we weren't ready to play in those games. Darius Smith told Chris and I at the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, right before the pandemic, that players weren't ready for that NFC Championship game, and he's one of them. There's something, something that's missing, and it's glaring because they're otherwise great. But they get on these long road trips against good teams, and they have this tendency not just to lose a close, tough game. They just don't
0: show up. So I'm one of those guys, you know, it's a lot of times where do you put the blame? Do you put it on a coaching staff? And certainly we know he is a young coach. Do you put it on the young staff on how they prepare and how they travel and what the schedule is? As I said, players are are scheduled down to the detail of what that itinerary says. But for me, in the professional ranks, I put it on the player. You're supposed to be a professional. You're a professional athlete, but there's a difference, you know, of being in the NFL – And being a pro. When do you become a pro? When do you learn how to be a pro that's obviously taking care of your body, taking care of what you need to, and certainly whether it's at home or, in this case, on the road or, in this case, long distances on the road? That's the players. That's leadership of players, and that's each individual player and how they prepare themselves uh, to to travel and how to play on the road. Now, again, there's a percentage that goes on the coaching staff as well, but – off the field in preparation, on the field in execution. I know coaches are part, you know, have the game plan and such, and players work with it. But I am always one of those, Mike, that leans to the player on the field. You're a professional athlete, what's your responsibility? Your responsibility is to execute your job on the field, know your game plan, and be prepared to play, whether it's at home or whether you're traveling to the moon. It doesn't matter, that's on you. And so when, when you see that happen, over time, over a couple of years, and you have some of the same players involved, I look at those players and I say, OK, are you ready to go? You know, what's your issue when you're traveling? Where does
1: player leadership factor into that? Now, I don't want to throw stones at Aaron Rodgers on this, but we see what Tom Brady's done in Tampa Bay. We see how he has taken that roster fully and completely by the reins. They follow him. They listen to him. They do whatever he says. They don't get complacent. They don't get too high. They don't get too low. They don't focus on the wrong things, all because of him. How much of it is player leadership or lack thereof? And it's not just Aaron Rodgers. There's other guys on that team that should be leaders. But in a moment like that, if the players aren't ready, what responsibility do other players have to help them access that and be ready to go?
0: Oh, I think it's a ton. I think what most most head coaches do in the NFL is they run the program, they're the CEO of the program, but most will let the players run the locker room. Say, guys, that's your locker room. You run it. As I will continue to say, you're a professional. You guys act that way and run your locker room that way and be ready to go. So without question, you rely on leadership. And and we know there's no question in Green Bay where that leadership is going to be in the locker room when when Aaron Rodgers talks, you listen. But Aaron Rodgers wasn't around a whole lot. Aaron Rodgers was talking about wanting out of there. Now – I, I will say, and I said this months ago, I didn't think he was ever leaving. I didn't think he was going to get traded. I didn't think he was sitting out for the year. I thought he was going to be in Green Bay for this his last year, I'm sure, in Green Bay. But he wasn't around, and there was a bad taste in his mouth, and he kept trying to say it's basically with management. It's with philosophy. It's not with anybody in the locker room. And listen, only the guys in the locker room know that deal. But if you got a guy – that really isn't enamored with what's going on upstairs, maybe doesn't want to be around there, or knows he's only going to be there for another year. Let me tell you, pro athletes, a lot of it, Mike, is self-preservation. When, when people say, oh, I wonder what that guy's thinking of that situation, or this guy's thinking of that situation. You know what guys in the locker room are thinking of? Because most of them were like me, foot soldiers. They weren't the the leaders. They weren't the top guys. Most of the roster are foot soldiers. They're worried about themselves. They're worried about surviving. They're worried about playing well. They're worried about staying in the league. So you want to listen to that guy in the locker room, but all of a sudden you have a guy that you probably know isn't going to be there in another year. You want to make sure you're doing what you need to do to make sure when the coaching staff or when management is going over salary caps or tape that you're showing well enough to stay on that team. Uh, where guys like Aaron Rodgers, they know they're going to be on that team. They know they're gonna, if they're going to be somewhere else, they know they'll be the leader of that next team. So that's one of the big differences. I don't know if people understand in the locker room, from the top of the locker room to the bottom of the locker room.
1: And I think that's a great point because there used to be more of an obsession among NFL teams to ensure – that coaches were never in the last year of their contracts. Get it extended before the last year or get rid of them before the last year. You don't want a lame duck coach because you don't want the players to tune him out because they think he's not going to be here next year anyway. Well, one level down, you're starting quarterback. Every vibe, every assumption, everything that's gone on since the end of last year is pointing to this is it. And so it's a similar – and his fear – of being a lame duck has caused him to make himself a lame duck. And that's not what you have in the locker room for the other guys, the foot soldiers, as you said. So why should we listen to this guy? It's going to be Jordan Love leading the team next year or somebody else.
0: So so what's going to happen now is how the season goes. And if you mentioned, I mean, 26 wins in the last two years, regular season, what they've done, its it's been a great record going into the playoffs. So that's what we're going to have to keep an eye on because just about everyone in the world understands this is it for Aaron Rodgers. So the players in the locker room know it more than anybody else. So this is their last shot with a walk-in Hall of Famer, one of the great quarterbacks to ever play this game. So we can talk about how he's handled things off the field, but you can't deny what it is on the field. He's one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play in the NFL. And, you know, there's been obviously a lot of talk they didn't give him enough help. He should have more than one title. They didn't do enough with his talents. But players in the locker room right now don't care about all that. What they see right now is this is our last year with Aaron Rodgers. And if this season starts to go bad, because I've been on bad teams, and when it starts to go bad and you know you're not going to the postseason or you know things aren't going well, it can get even worse in a locker room. And then you're going to get to the point, and again, it's game one and they're right, they're 16 to go, and this is what we always do, you know, after week one or week two, we start doing some of these things. But if this season starts to go wrong a little bit, then it's going to be, well, if he's not going to be our quarterback anyway, let's put the other guy in to get him some some reps so we're ready to go next year. That's what that's what I as a player sit there and think in a locker room of where this can go. But right now it's, it is. It's just one game. We still have Aaron Rodgers. We have a great offense. Defense has to play so much better than they played in that first game. But one thing I've always said as well – The team you see in week one, Mike, is going to be different than the team you see in week four, five, and six. It's going to be a little different, Uh, sometimes a lot better, sometimes a little worse, but certainly not the same.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. By the time we get deeper into the season, these teams will be dramatically different, and the challenge is to put the loss behind you. It doesn't matter whether you lost by 35 or by three. A loss is a loss. You move on. They have the Lions at home on Monday night. And then Sunday Night Football week three at the San Francisco 49ers, another test to pack it up, take it on the road. Can they stay focused? Can they get it done? And uh, as much as it's good for our business, for Aaron Rodgers to constantly bear his soul about his future, and yesterday (laughs) there was a sit down with him and Aaron Andrews and he was doing it again, at some point you just got to stop. And I feel like, Mike, he internalized it so much last year, he can't turn the faucet off this year now that he's opened
0: it. Well, you know, again, I'm going to come at it from a player, from a former a player, a former player, and a guy who would be in that locker room is, and there's his really good friends on that team, and then there's guys who are quote unquote acquaintances, your teammates, until you're not teammates. That, that's kind of how it works. If you can leave the NFL with five or six actually really good friends, you're kind of lucky. Other than that, it's basically teammates and I'll go back to say what I said before. You know what those guys care about in that locker room? Right now. Right now. They don't care about all the drama. They could give a damn about all the drama that's going on. They want to play well individually. They want to do well as a team. They all know Aaron Rodgers is going to be just fine. Aaron Rodgers made a ton of money. He'll go somewhere else and be the man there as well, and then you have to worry about yourself, and that's what players do. And I know it makes it sound like, The players are selfish. It's still a team environment and you're playing as a team, but when it gets down to it, Players, it is about self-preservation. Okay, what's going to happen to us as a team? What's going to happen to me as a player? So they'll sit there and they'll listen to Aaron Rodgers talk about all that, and 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 in their eyes, it's like you know uh, the peanuts character when you when you hear the teacher, you know, want 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 want. You know, they don't want they don't want to hear any of that. They want to see they want to see the production on the field, and they know they have to produce better on the field. So the defensive side of the ball, they can't really care what Aaron's saying and what's going. On because they played horribly. They played horribly, and they damn well better worry about what's going on in their film room and on their side of the ball more than the Aaron Rodgers drama that was going on.
1: I fully endorse any and all references that those of us born in the 60s will get. <laughs> it's not our fault if you're too young to know what we're talking about. Go do some research. You have Google. Oh, and Mike, this is what they'll do to us. You see? There you
0: go. Nope.
1: Right time, baby, or... Play that old piano, okay. Um, I had one more great point to make, and it was so great that I've completely forgotten it. Either way, that's that on the Saints thirty-eight, the Packers three. The uh, other stunning point to make uh, out of a big game from yesterday: the Arizona Cardinals taking it on the road, facing one of the high-level AFC contenders, Tennessee Titans. I thought the Titans would win the game. I thought the Cardinals were a team that, you know, still has a lot of work to do to get to where they want to be. Well, they put in the work yesterday, 38-13, to 13, and it was Kyler Murray accounting for five total touchdowns and playing as well as we've ever seen him. The stopping, the starting, the video game. Not getting touched, not being harassed, finding a way to get away from anyone who would try to get It's got to be so frustrating as a defensive player to try to track and chase and catch a guy like Kyler Murray.
0: So um, the the one, when whenever people look at the stats you look for different things, here was the best thing I saw in the box score when I was watching this game and after when I looked at it in total. Kyler Murray, 5 carries for 20 yards. That's it. That's something that had to change. Now he'll have more rushing yards than that obviously, but you look at this team, they were a top 10 rushing team and a lot of that had to do with Kyler Murray and the way he runs the ball. But they were middle of the pack in that area or lower as a passing team. That part had to improve, whether it's in the pocket or whether it's Kyler making plays on the outside as we're seeing him do. So to me, seeing only five carries for 20 yards is huge. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, I'm, I'm sure, doesn't want him running that much. Now, you have planned runs for a guy like that. When you have that kind of ability, that's exactly what you do. It also is going to keep the defense on his heels a little more when you have the quarterback running the ball. That, that That's an extra man. And in the NFL, in football, it's all about dictating. Defense wants to dictate to the offense. Offense wants to dictate to the defense. When you have a quarterback like Kyler Murray, you can dictate because you can do so many things. They ran for 136 yards. He passed for, what, almost 290 yards. And as I said, he didn't run for much. I cannot begin to – now, I was not a great pass rusher – in the league at all. In 9 years I had 11 and a half sacks. Some people call that bad, I call it consistent. Little over a sack <laughs> a year. I think that shows great consistency. I'm a glass I'm a glass half full guy. But I will say, you know, what happened? it's the one thing as a D-line do you do when you get a quarterback like that, you have to be so conscious about your rush lanes that sometimes you don't rush as well as you normally do because you're trying not to let him escape. You can't just kind of let it go because he has such a great ability to get to the outside. And then when he breaks contain, you have put your back seven at such a disadvantage because now, are you playing Kyler to run? As soon as you step up on the run, he's going to dump it over the top. He just buys you so much extra time. So it is a nightmare for a D-line and a front seven, certainly the the, the back DBs, to have to cover that long. You can't ask defensive backs to cover that long in the NFL and then for a guy to have a threat to run. So uh, he's doing what he does, but the biggest thing for me in this game was the fact that he didn't run the ball a lot, didn't have a lot of yards running. He did it with his arm, and the team did it with his legs. And oh, by the way, the defense played pretty well. Now, the Tennessee defense is not a very good defense, so they'll be obviously tested much better down the road.
1: The Kyler Murray growth and maturity and assertiveness that we've seen in the offseason he's a lot more vocal he said we can't do this with me being one-dimensional either way he's got to throw it more but the running needs to be part of it and Mike last year their high watermark was the Hale Murray play against the Bills they won yeah. that game after that they were never the same because Kyler Murray was banged up and he needs to avoid getting banged up that's been one of the the best aspects of his game first two years in the NFL, he has that uncanny ability to avoid contact. He's got to continue to do that. If you only run the ball five times for the game for 20 yards, you know, he had the touchdown run untouched. He knew uh, with with a good 40 feet to go to the end zone that he was going to score and he stuck the ball in the air because he knows how fast he is relative to everyone else. That's going to be the key. Avoid getting hit, avoid getting hurt, and then you can do the passing, just enough running to keep the defense on its heels. And also when you're passing, uh, a moment like we saw yesterday where he goes left, he goes right, he goes forward, he goes backward, they just can't get him.
0: You can't get him, and and now, and and believe me, the offense, because you have a quarterback like that, understand they work on these things, and when they have their routes, they have their route, tree, whatever play that is, the routes they're running, if Kyler breaks out, they all know exactly where they, it doesn't just turn into a schoolyard, they all know where they need to go, they all know the levels they need to be on to help Kyler out and get in position for him to throw the ball. But back to your point about running, the one line that's used with quarterbacks all the time, knowing the jury. Journey's over. Okay? You got what you got. Know when it's over. Get out of bounds, get on the ground. Sometimes guys who run extremely well will try and do more because they can do more. I feel I can juke this guy. I think I can get more yards. And that's when you end up taking that shot that you didn't want to take, and all of a sudden you're nicked up, and all of a sudden the back end of your season starts to go awry a little bit. So that's the maturity level that a quarterback, when he comes in from college and is this great athlete and has made people miss all the time, you have to say, okay, that's great. But I'll go back to what I said. Know when the journey's over. Understand you got more plays to play, and we have a long season to go.
1: The play that we just showed again, it is so amazing to me for many reasons. One of which is the offensive lineman never released down the field. And I can only assume that they tell those guys when they say, well when should we how long? What, 10 seconds? Fifth? No, never. Never release. Because you never know what he's going to do back there. And frankly, if he's going to decide to run, he doesn't need your help. He'll be fine without blockers. He'll just zip right through everybody. Now, they're back behind the line of scrimmage blocking. But, you know, there's no reason to take off down the field. Because you know he's going to find time. And if he does decide to take off, like I said, a a 300-pounder is not going to help him uh, spring for another 5 or 10 yards. He'll do that with his legs.
0: Yeah. In all honesty, offensive linemen would rather pass block for a pocket quarterback, you know why? Because they know exactly where he is. Everybody knew Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, they're going to be five to seven yards behind the line of scrimmage, and you try and get that perfect cup protection. That's where you have to block. All of a sudden you're on the old line, you could be blocking a guy great, and all of a sudden your quarterback breaks out and that defensive player gets a sack and you're like, oh hell, now everybody's going to say I gave up the sack when I was blocking my guy well in cup protection. But to your point, 1,000% correct. Do not run downfield. You are not going to stay in front of the quarterback. You are not going to help him. All you're going to do is get us in trouble if you start to run downfield. So those guys will not run downfield. And as a D-lineman after a play like that, I would be on the sideline sucking down oxygen or throwing up because that's what he does
1: to, to players,
0: making you shift and change direction all the time. It's brutal.
1: And also avoiding the head coach who was clearly not happy with the defensive effort yesterday. Yeah. Here's Mike Vrabel, Titans coach, talking about how things went at home against the Cardinals.
0: It's unfortunate. It is disappointing. There is no other way to put it. Um, it, it sucks when you lose. It sucks when you get your ass kicked. All the credit to Cliff and his staff and those players. You know They, they beat us and outcoached us.
1: And that's the way you have to handle it. And Taylor Lewan went to Twitter and said, got my ass kicked today. No way around that. I let the team and the fans down. Thank you, Chandler Jones, for exposing me. It will only force me to get better. Now, the good news is you don't have to face Chandler Jones every week. It'll get better because your opposition will not be better. If anything, your opposition will be worse than Chandler Jones. But my goodness, five sacks. From jones yesterday three in the first quarter he was on pace for 204 we were joking about that on text chain yesterday he didn't get uh he didn't continue that pace but he did get five so he's on pace for 85 mike that would be a pretty good year
0: i well, think that would I, be, a listen, record. It'd be a phenomenal I, I think it would be a record <laughs> and, and we, as we were talking we do love doing that what you're what you're on pace for after week one Here's a guy obviously missing time last year and this defense needed him. Was he even going to be on the team this year? Was he going to get traded? Did he want to be out of there for a while? You know, and now, I mean, this defense picking up, this this team needed the defense to pick up and they needed the the, uh, the passing game to pick up on offense. And man, what a start for them. What they did to Tennessee, uh, holding Derrick Henry, what, to 56 yards. Now, again, The Tennessee Titans had to get out of their offense a little bit more than they wanted to because of the way the score went. But Chandler Jones and five sacks, and and I appreciate that out of Lawan Taylor. The one thing as a player I I always respected, and I call it wear the hat. Wear the hat of responsibility because the eye in the sky don't lie. I'm using these cliches, but they don't. You sit there and film and you watch exactly what happened, and you know when it's your fault. And Taylor wore the hat and said... Just as he said, he got his butt kicked today, and he did. And all you can do is try and learn from it, applaud the guy after the game, go shake the guy's hand, say nice game, and you move on to the next one. But a Tennessee with a bad defense, and they couldn't get their running game going, get into the offense that they wanted, and that's, that's unfortunately the result they get.
1: We covered both of the surprising blowouts from Sunday. We're going to take a break. When we return, two comebacks from the AFC, one we didn't expect and one we, we kind of did. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this.
0: We're not worried about style points. We'll let you guys write whatever stories you want to write, man. We knew it would be tough sledding. They got a great defense. They got continuity, not only in players, but schematics. We are playing them in their place. We had a bunch of new pieces.
1: Um, you know, we, we, we weren't style point oriented today. We just had to
0: win this game.
1: Mike Tomlin, Steelers head coach, pulling off what I think is one of the more significant outcomes of the day. To go into Buffalo, Mike, Bill's Mafia is back. The entire experience, jumping through the tables, the tailgating, the thousands in the stands. Now, I asked Cam Hayward after the game how much black and gold he saw. He said there was still plenty in there. They still find a way in. But still, that full stadium on the road, hostile environment to start the season against a Super Bowl favorite to just hang around and hang around and keep that that Buffalo offense from really hitting its stride long enough for the Steelers to close the gap, catch up, and take over. It's, it's another reason why. Yeah, and, and, Mike, I don't know how much you've noticed this over the years. Whenever the Steelers have some short-term adversity, there's a segment of the fan base that wants to get rid of Mike Tomlin. Never get rid of Mike Tomlin because Mike Tomlin's the reason you won that game yesterday
0: listen the the Pittsburgh organization we all know I mean the, the stats about the coaches that they 've had they don 't turn it over like other teams they don 't they don 't have the the quick draw that says we 're going to get rid of this coach. These coaches are are timeless with this team, and I completely agree and, and get and, and knowing Mike Tomlin, so you heard that soundbite and he 's right they don 't care about style points but i 'll tell you one thing that Mike Tomlin has been drilling in these guys head is the fact that Everybody was counting them out. Everybody was saying the Bills are the second best team after Kansas City in the AFC. And obviously that's who they opened up with yesterday. So... All the time in their ear, in their ear. Nobody thinks you have a shot in the AFC now. They think Ben's over the hill. Nobody thinks you're going to play well or do well against Buffalo, the up and coming team after what Josh Allen did and the weapons he got with Diggs last year and how well they played. They're going to blow Pittsburgh out. Pittsburgh has some changes on defense. And then you get Mike Tomlin. We don't care about style points, about getting the win 10 to 6. 10-6, not the prettiest game in the world going into the fourth quarter. But if you're a defensive player like me, it's a thing of beauty. It is a thing of beauty when you're holding an offense that's as powerful as Buffalo's to that low of an output score-wise going into the fourth quarter. What you're doing is you're constantly giving your offense a chance. You're constantly saying, here you go, Ben, you got another chance. Here you go, Ben, you got another chance to the tune of what, 17 points? In the fourth quarter so that was a perfect you know symbiotic relationship with offense defense we'll keep stopping them it's a high-powered offense we'll keep shutting them down and you eventually get it done it took them to the fourth quarter to really get it done but they got it done to make Josh Allen throw 51 times they don't want to throw it. they don't want to throw it 51 times they want to run the ball they want to be a little more even though when they do throw a lot he still can be pretty effective so I put this one right on the side of that defensive side of the ball Uh, for stepping up and doing what they did to help give Ben and that offense more chances.
1: Well, and they knew it was even more important yesterday, Mike, because it's a new offense under Matt Canada. It's going to take some time. Ben Roethlisberger said it himself last week. There will be some growing pains in this offense, so the defense had to keep it close long enough for the offense to find the gas pedal, and they did, scoring the points. Now the block punt that put the Steelers ahead with a touchdown helped tremendously but you saw that offense gain more confidence and and again 16 more games for that offense to get to where it's going to be come december and january but enough yesterday, coupled with that defense. And that's the one thing we said all offseason long. Yes, there's turmoil with the offense. New offensive linemen, four new starters, new running back in Najee Harris. We're not quite sure what he's going to be. He looked pretty good yesterday. Ben Roethlisberger at 39, questions about him. No questions about that defense. And as long as you have that defense, you don't need to have the 1999 greatest show-offs on turf, St. Louis Rams. You, you just have to do enough. And the Steelers' offense did enough yesterday, and they'll probably do enough all year long.
0: Well, and they're a team that, because you mentioned, and I'm glad you did with the block punt, that's going to rely on all of that. They're not going to be a juggernaut offense. They're going to be a very stout defense. There's no doubt about that. So what turns the tide at times? Well... It can be special teams, whether it's a turnover like it was to a touchdown or whether it's a big return that flips the uh, the, the field for you in your favor or a big stop uh, on a on a, on a special team's play. So this team needs that. They need all three phases because it's not the high-flying offense that it was, even though they're going to try to, and we'll see once they start gelling with the O coordinator, Ben, and the O coordinator on how that's going to go. But I don't expect it to be that high-flying offense. I expect it to be a tough defense, a good offense, and throw in some special teams along the way. But listen, what do they always say? The offense sells tickets and the defense wins championships. I do believe that. I know in this day and age when there's so much – Passing and the offenses are so wide open and the rules are specifically made for the offense. Yes, I'm not just a bitter former defensive player saying that. The (laughs) rules, without question, are meant to favor the offense. So they want scoring. The NFL feels scoring puts butts in seats and puts eyes on the TV, and I get all that. So if you can have that stout defense like we saw yesterday that just gives your offense enough of an opportunity, you could be in good shape.
1: Yeah, every two or three years we're reminded in the Super Bowl what it means to have a great defense because that usually is what saves the day and delivers the trophy for the team that wins it all. The Steelers offense did wake up eventually. Ben Roethlisberger finished with 188 passing yards. And Ajay Harris only had 45 yards rushing. He had a nice 18-yard run to get his career going. And and, and, and that hey, when you look at those numbers, 53 total yards in the first half and you still got the win in Buffalo... Like you said, it's a testament to that defense. And they will go as far as the defense can carry them. And T.J. Watt, having him back, that was huge. That was a tone setter, the strip sack. Uh, it, it, that, that's the kind of thing you need from a guy when you pay him that kind of money. And and a key piece of that Pittsburgh Steelers defense, Mike. And it was smart of them to get it done. And uh, he deserved every penny of it. Cam Hayward told me that after the game. And, and, and they will go. As far as that defense will take them, based on yesterday, it looked like it's going to take them pretty far.
0: Yeah, listen, I would agree, and a lot would say, T.J. Watt, how was he able to move like that with his pocket so heavy and full? I mean, <laughs> th- they did need to get this done. I mean, this is another one. All of a sudden he's in camp, but he's not practicing, coming down to the last day. Is he going to practice? Is he going to play? And then to you know to basically walk in to that deal and say, I'm going to take it when his agent was still trying to get him more money, You know, that just shows – it's. I think it's a good reminder why you have to let agents do your their job – because they can try and get you the most money. You have to also remember that the agent works for you, the player. So if you feel you got what you want and it's enough and it's that close, where now you can call this this a team guy, because if he listened to his agent, he could have maybe been, been still holding out, not been there on the field. But this is a guy that said, you know what, this is a good enough deal for me. I'm making a ton of money. I need to be out there with my team and help my team. So I'm glad it worked that way because, you know, I, I certainly wasn't an error and we still see it every now and then where you did see players hold out, try and get those better deals. But I did like the fact that TJ Watt was like, Okay, I'm I'm my boss, my agent works for me. I think this deal is good enough. Time for me to get back on the field.
1: And I'm a big believer in guys getting everything they can. You have a finite number of years that you can play and yep. even fewer that you can play at the level where they will pay you among the very best in the game. And uh, he got it done and the Steelers got it done. And they're 1-0 when many expected them, including the folks in Vegas, that they would be 0-1, 6.5-point underdogs they were on the road. So much for that. A team that was expected to win uh, handily, more handily than they did. It took them a while, but this is what the Chiefs do, Mike. They were down 22-10 to 10 at halftime, and this is why the Chiefs are always exciting. Even when they're down big in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, you're still waiting because you know, based on what they've shown us with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, they can find a groove and rattle off 30 points just like that. And uh, that 22-10 to 10 deficit went away in the second half. Chiefs doing the things that Chiefs do. Scoring points by uh, the, the, the many in a short period of time and winning that game. Didn't surprise me at all. Ne- I, I never believed the Chiefs are out of any game. Even when it was 33 31-9 to, 9, 31 to 9 in the Super Bowl, I never believed they were out of that game.
0: So the, the biggest difference, obviously, of that game and this game is the, the Tampa Bay defense. We just talked about defenses winning championships. They're not even in the Super Bowl without what, the way that defense in Tampa Bay was playing last year, especially through before, even before the Super Bowl, and then in it as well to not let Kansas City come back because we saw it out of Kansas City the year before, coming back time and time again in the postseason. So the expectation is they're going to do it. Tampa Bay didn't let them do it. The Browns – listen – Everybody talked about the Browns and their on paper roster was top or top in maybe in the AFC outside of Kansas City. And as a team, probably top three. Everybody said Kansas City, Buffalo and Cleveland. But they had to go on the field and they had to prove it. This is another one of those things, Mike, where I was born and raised in Cleveland. So I was around the Browns growing up when they weren't doing anything. And then last year, they make the playoffs for the first time, you know, since the 1800s, they win a playoff game for the first time, you know, since, you know, you know, the 1700s. So from a fan standpoint, the expectation is a little more, but there's still always the Oh, it's the Browns, so they'll find a way to screw it up. But not in that locker room. The players are like, listen, look at what we did last year. The only acceptable outcome this year is to go further than that. Our expectation is to get to the Super Bowl. And that's exactly what they should be thinking. And I do think they have the talent to do it. So this ends up being a game where where Kansas City has to come back. They've done it before and they'll do it again. I thought the Browns played well. They'll certainly work out some of the things on defense, no doubt about it, To because they're, they're to get where they want to go, they're going to have to go through this team again, most likely. So they've got to work that out. Baker's interception at the end, you know, was he trying to just dump the ball out of bounds? Was he trying to force it or dump it out of bounds? He got his legs hit, you know, right as he was throwing the ball for basically an easy interception that end of the game. But they're on the final drive, you know, to to tie, or, or, or I'm sorry, to win the game. So they were right there. So... If you're a Browns fan and a Browns player, I know there's no moral victories, but for the fans there can be, and they have to like the way they came out of the gates right here and say, okay, we still think we're on a good trajectory, while the players are going to be very, very disheartened that they had a 22-10 to lead and they gave it up. That defensive meeting room is not going to be a happy place this morning.
1: Similar vibe to what Cowboys fans would have after Thursday night's almost win in Tampa Bay. Hey. All right. We're going to, and especially, even more exciting for the Cowboys fans because nobody thought they were going to be any good. We now think they're going to be good. We knew the Browns were going to be good. We don't think less of the Browns after yesterday, and they will iron out some of those wrinkles. I mean, my goodness, and Coach Dungey made this point last night. You don't put single coverage on Tyreek Hill when he's down the field making the catch. You can't have one guy there. You've got to have multiple players trying to slow him down, and they'll learn from that if they get together again in January. And, uh, you know, who knows? There's a chance that we'll see this same game play out in the postseason just like it did Last year, but the Chiefs. I'm so used to it now. And I said last night, Mike, if they could ever put it together for 60 minutes, they would score 100 points because they can't. I mean, I remember there was a game against the Raiders a couple years ago. They scored 28 points for the game. They scored them all in the second quarter. That's just what they do, and that's why they're never out of it. And I think that's the lesson. You, if you, if you are lucky enough to have a double digit lead over the Chiefs at halftime act like he's behind by double digits because the Chiefs are good are they are going to find the gas pedal at some point and that 12 point lead is going to evaporate instantly
0: well and you look at it on both sides we expect it from the offense because it's Patrick Mahomes and we still see some of the delivery angles that he has and you're right about single coverage on Tyreek Hill who ended up with what 197 Receiving yards on 11 receptions. I mean, you you just you can't make that mistake. You can't do it. But you also have to go to the flip side. You know, it's 22 to 10. The defense only gave up seven more points, right? I mean, Chris Jones got himself a couple of sacks on on either side of the line uh, where he was rushing. So the defense stood up as well. We always talk about the Kansas City offense because you should with Mahomes and Hill and Kelsey and what they can do and the way they can put up points. But remember, the defense, who didn't play as well early and give credit to the Browns' offense for that, it's all about adjustments. It is all about adjustments, and the most adjustments you'll see come in the second half, especially at halftime and then on into the second half, and how does it work? And we saw Kansas City come back and score the points they did, and we saw that Kansas City defense play a little more stout in the second half.
1: Can we show the Tyreek Hill touchdown again? There's one point that I'd like to make, beyond the fact that the Browns had single coverage, on Tyreek Hill but the long catch and run from a second ago I'll filibuster until the video queues up there was something very important that I noticed that uh is a change in Tyreek Hill's approach to breaking free and getting to the end zone there we see the throw from Mahomes Tyreek has the ball. Now watch closely. Watch the right hand. Very sheepish with the deuces. See that? It's it's if you throw them up directly at the player this year, you're gonna get 15 yards for taunting. He just did the very subtle. Hey, I, I know if I put this hand too high, if I put it more too far toward your face, I'm gonna get 15. So Tyreek Hill has learned. The, the line between <laughs> celebration and taunting—he—he he didn't fully go there. If you go there in your face, you're going to get it. But if you kind of hold it down here, no penalty on Tyreek Hill.
0: Yeah, he just just enough so the defender saw it, right? Just a little acknowledgement. Hey, you know. See you later, bud. You know, you got had a little bit. Then he did the little walk-in right by the goal line there. But you're right. There are points of emphasis here. It's a good point. And as people are watching, you know, the games, the emphasis. Every year there's a couple of big emphasis points. And for emphasis points, and for the refs this year, it is taunting. If a guy spends a little too long in somebody's grill or maybe raises that hand a little higher with the deuces, they are told to throw the flag. And a lot of times, you'll see that early. We saw it in preseason. You'll see it early in the season just to kind of get the point across that, hey, we're not dealing with that this year.
1: Point of emphasis, a fancy way of saying the officials aren't doing their jobs the way we want them to, so <laughs> ah, you better ah. start doing them the way we want or someone else We'll be doing them. Let's take a break. When we return, it was an Alabama reunion in Foxborough yesterday. Tua Tonga-Vailoa versus Mac Jones. We'll break that, break that down next here on PFT Live, a.k.a. Mike, along with Mike. We'll be right back. Ball security, penalties, um, too many little, little missed things, situational football, just all, yeah, all of it. Bill Belichick. You can't tell whether they won or they lost, whether it was a Super Bowl victory or a crushing defeat. He's always the same. He's consistent in that regard. He's always miserable. Miserable for good reason yesterday. The Patriots lose at home. Mike, one of my annual check the box hot takes going into week one and coming out of it more accurately is never worry about what happens in week one unless you lose at home to a division rival. Because you still have to go play them in their building. You get swept. Good luck winning the division if you've been swept by one of the other teams. you got to make up basically three games in the remaining schedule. So that was not a good day for the Patriots to lose at home. They, they should have won, could have won, fumbled late that uh, prevented them from getting a field goal that would have pulled off the victory. But you know, the bottom line is Mac Jones played well for the Patriots. Not well enough to win, but played well. Tua tonga played well for the Dolphins. So I think both teams have to be at least tentatively happy with their Alabama quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, starting in New England, let's let's, let's just remember it is a rookie quarterback. So, you know, with the whole Cam Newton beat out Cam Newton, but Cam missed those five days, what went on, what was the real reason. Cam afterwards saying he was surprised and he still has a lot of football left in him. We all like Mac Jones and what he can do, but we have to understand he's still a rookie. Now, that offense, it's not, you know... A lot of times that that will be a check down offense. there will be shorter passes, but you like the way he throws the ball. You like where Mac Jones is going to go. So now it's going to be what's going to be around him because you can't put it all on Mac Jones. You know, even early on with Tom Brady, they had great defenses when they were winning Super Bowls early. It wasn't all on Tom Brady, who has since become, you know, the most accomplished quarterback of all time. So a good start for Mac Jones, but... You know, let's give Miami credit here because the key to me is three field goals. That's three chances to get into the end zone, and Miami stopped them to force three field goals. That is key. Made them put them in that position to go be 17-16 before that last drive. Uh, you know, then game. the game. Uh, what Xavier Howard, you know, forces a fumble and, re- and recovers a fumble from Damian Harris. But they were in that position because, again – Miami's defense held the field goals instead of giving up touchdowns. That is a key thing to look at as the season goes on. And for Tua, understand this is a guy that the Dolphins openly were courting Deshaun Watson. So while Tua Tungavailoa, it's his job, he is the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins, they're courting another quarterback. So when you put your head on the pillow at night – how secure do you feel? As I'm the man, what you're getting is the opportunity to show that you are the guy and say, "Hey, let me be the quarterback of this team. I can do it." And he showed well yesterday. But is is Miami still in the position of nobody knows what's going on with Deshaun uh, uh, Watson? Nobody knows. You know, they want six picks, whether between picks and players, is that ever going to happen? So all Tua can do, and it's right, rightly so, is control what he can control, and that's his play. And again, yes, he played well yesterday. Another very mobile quarterback gets in the end zone, has that threat. So he should be happy, obviously, with the way they play. And as you mentioned, you're right. Getting a win in the division on the road is huge. But two thumbs up for both of these quarterbacks, without a doubt, in week one.
1: Locker room perspective on the Tua tonga Bailoa deshaun Watson situation because he's not a captain. And to their credit, the Dolphins didn't try to bend over backwards to downplay it. It is what it is. It's no C on the starting quarterback's jersey. But, Mike, when everyone knows in the building that they want Deshaun Watson, and also you throw on top of it Tua admitting candidly in the offseason he didn't know the offense well enough at times last year, and that's why he got yanked late for Ryan Fitzpatrick, I I assume that some of the foot soldiers are
0: going to wonder, is this the guy that is the right one to lead us? Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, listen, nobody knows what's going on in the locker room more than the players that are sitting there. They know where they stand individually, and they know where the team stands and what they have. Uh, so, that and, and with Tua, they need to find out what they have because a lot of them were on the field last year with them uh, when they were in the situation of him getting pulled. They have a new offense this year. You know, you got some empty, you got some, some mobile quarterback stuff, obviously, as well. So it's a little bit different for him as well, something else to get used to in the new system that they're in. But, yeah, I, I, but, but I, I, as I said, if a player gets on the field, you have the chance. It's like any next-up player. That when when the starter gets hurt or for whatever reason, you go in, you now can control what the coaches and your teammates think about you by how you play, by how well you play, uh, what kind of a teammate you are, but really by what the production is on the field. So Tua is going to have every opportunity in the world this year to say... I should be the starting quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. I am the starting quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. And you guys need to put any any other thoughts away from this so they're not courting another quarterback. That's to his job this year. And all he can do is go out and just control his own play, not what everybody else thinks. He has to make people say they want to believe in what he's able to do on the field.
1: My public advice to him from a couple of weeks ago, not that he would have heard it or paid any attention to it, was act like Tom Brady would act in that situation. Get pissed off. Tell yourself that you're going to prove to everyone that Deshaun Watson shouldn't even be in the discussion. I'll go out there and I'll be better than Deshaun Watson. That's what you need to do to properly get past it one last point before we wrap on this game I we were talking about this last night and I said hey for Mac Jones all that matters is whether you won or lost and he lost the game I mean that's the ultimate stat did you win did you lose and Drew Brees said well he's not the one who fumbled Damian Harris is the one who fumbled and I asked Drew what do you say to a guy after something like that happens as a quarterback and Drew said what you say to him is before the play Hold on to that ball like your life depends on it. And, you know, that's really the question. Rookie quarterback in his first game, what kind of extra little talking to did Damian Harris get before that play to make sure that he didn't fumble? Whatever the outcome, you don't fumble in that spot.
0: Well, I would say Damian Harris would know that more than anybody, right? We we, we always sit there and say, well, did the quarterback tell him that? Did the coach remind him of that? Who the hell doesn't know that? I mean, you're a running back (laughs) carrying the ball in that situation. Do you have to be told, don't fumble the ball? I mean, could you? I'm I'm picturing in the huddle, Mac Jones saying, hey, uh, Damien, don't fumble. Oh, God. Hey, Mac. (laughs) Wait, 88.
1: mind blown. Okay, let me see that. Wait, check. No fumble. Got it.
0: (laughs) Mind blown. Thanks for that one. I mean, no, I don't think that's something Mac Jones needs to worry about right now.
1: But, but you know what? You know what, though, Mike? I, I really do think and and Mac Jones has a way to go to get there. And, and you're right. The guy knows the job that he has to do. But one of the greatest, greatest motivators in football is fear. And there's a certain type of fear you have of your coach. There's another type of fear you have of your starting quarterback. And ideally, you want to become the kind of starting quarterback where they're all as afraid of you, if not more afraid of you, than they are of the coach. And when Mac Jones gets to that point, Damian Harris is not going to fumble. Now he won't be the running back anymore. It'll be somebody else. But but it's just the aura, right? The sheriff, the Peyton Manning, the Tom Brady. You guys don't screw up because they know they're going to have to deal, not with the coach, they're going to have to deal with the quarterback afterward.
0: But, but, but Mike, you know, not all players are the same. I mean, was Andrew Luck like that? I mean, there are some quarterbacks who just don't have that personality. Plus, if you don't have the resume to back it up, and you mentioned two guys who are two of the greatest of all time that are walking into the Hall of Fame, going back to Tua, telling him to get get mad. That's not Tua. I've known him since Alabama. He doesn't have that personality, and you can't in my opinion, you cannot ask somebody to do something that they don't naturally do. I want Tua to go be the leader that he was. Eli Manning, I covered Eli Manning at Mississippi and then to the Giants. He's as mild mannered as it is on the field. Off the field, he'll get in your grill a little bit, but he wasn't he wasn't fiery like that. There are different types of leaders. You have to lead the way you lead. I don't think Tua is ever he's not gonna be a screamer. He's not gonna get in someone's face, he's not gonna grab a face mask. At least I've never seen that from him and I don't see that as his personality. So I'm not going to ask my quarterback to act like Tom Brady or act like Peyton Manning and do something like that if that's not in their nature. And
1: one of the challenges is, and I know coaches who have tried to do that, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You see it lurking somewhere in their nature and you try to draw it out. You try to kind of massage it, try to make make the guy become a little more naturally fiery. Not fake, authentic, but it's in there, and I want to draw it out. And and that's the challenge of leadership. Some quarterbacks do it naturally, some need help from their team, and some need to have the leadership qualities drawn out of them as they progress in their careers. But both Mac Jones and Tua will be around for a while and uh, we'll see how it plays out for them we're going to take a break when we return one of the monday in-season staples superlatives we'll hand out the awards when pft live continues right after this